Welcome back. I am so excited that you have joined me again in the Aligned Womb, Aligned You podcast. I'm Kate Nagai, and I am your host and womb guide on this journey. I'm here to help you to lean into the language of your menstrual cycle so that you can align yourself and awaken and activate to your womb wisdom to live the most inspired life. I am so excited to jump into this episode and to dive into today's topic. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Aligned Room Aligned You podcast. I am thrilled to have another returning guest this week. Ellen Hooper is here once again with us. If you remember correctly, she was here a few months ago, probably six months ago now, to talk all about how to share the workload, which was such a great conversation and I loved it. And we are back again today to go deeper into how can we start to use our cycle and start to create a rhythmic workflow in a workforce that's really meant for the male or the male hormonal system. But if you haven't listened to the last episode and you don't know who Ellen is, Ellen Hooper is a people and culture expert. She's a certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, an accredited mediator, a passionate speaker, and someone who loves to help individuals and groups to grow and develop. Her clients call her a coaching magician, and I would totally agree with that, <laughs> and a total legend who helps them get unstuck. And so today we are going to get unstuck with this work idea or concept of how we can work cyclically. So welcome back. I'm so excited to have you here. It's so good to see your face. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're developing quite the international alliance mm-hmm. across country. In case, in case you haven't picked up, it up from my accent, I'm, I, I live and have always lived in um, Melbourne, Australia. Um, yeah, thanks for having me back. This is a tricky one, this topic. Oh my gosh. It is a tricky one, but it's one that, you know, I, I have not conquered it yet. Like I, mm-hmm. I have theories in my head. We've both been part of Kate Northrup's program to learn about how to use our cycle for our work days. And so I have concepts, but I still fall into old patterns of, but this is the way it has to be done. Or before I know it, I'm like pushing myself the way I would have pushed myself 10 years ago. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I think it's kind of fun to now catch myself and go, wait a minute, why are you doing that? (laughs) Why are you acting that way? I'm so glad you said that because I also have this real kind of a theoretical practical gap when it comes to this. And I think that's really, it's useful for us to kind of start there. I think there's a few reasons for that. Firstly, we're so um, ingrained in kind of traditional ways of working. Um, You know, neither of us kind of had this type of education uh, as children and young adults and as graduates in workplaces It's still, I think, a bit of a weird or taboo thing to talk about in workplaces, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. And then we kind of come back to the fact that the, you know, just objectively the working world was really set up for men by men. Um, And so kind of integrating this way of operating in a cyclical way with um, the very kind of real structures that exist in workplaces is is really tricky. And I think it would be useful for us today to talk about um I think like let's let's tackle the hardest version of this, which is if you're employed by someone. <laughs> you yeah. have to 
Yeah, because you know, you and I both uh, work for ourselves, and so and it's so funny because even then we find it hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but some of the tricks, you know, like I, that I use, like um, putting my cycle in my calendar. You know, is that really is that realistic for someone who's um, on Outlook and has a shared calendar with fifty other team members? So I'm really keen to work through how we can try to really make this practically work in kind of more traditional workplace settings as well. Yeah. And, you know, traditional workplace settings, how we can make it work. But then I would also like to weave in with that, how to make it work when you are a mom, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is another reality to the the complicated- You've just leveled us up, Kate. Uh, I know. Let's go to the hardest possible version. <laughs> We're just going to go like as deep as we possibly can here. Because when you think about it, the workplace was set up with this expectation that women would be at home mm-hmm. and caring for the children. And then there was like this women want to have careers. Women want to explore ways to use their mind and to create something or to create a version of themselves in a career element. And how do we fit being mom still in that? Because That's like been my biggest struggle, I think. And that was a really big conversation with my husband because I remember at one point him going, well, are you ever going to just go and get a job? Because like, I love what I do. (laughs) I love what I do. (laughs) But, you know, entrepreneurship, it's hard. There's months where you don't get any money, (laughs) especially when you're starting out. Like it's, 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 it is like being an artist. (laughs) You are committing to something without knowing if you're going to get any return in value. Um, but I remember him saying, like, are you, at what point are we going to like say, this isn't working and are you going to go out and get a job? And I was like, but that doesn't work for me because first of all, I think I'm in a spot now where I don't know if I could conform to a bunch of rules set by men of how I need to <laughs> operate in a workplace. But also I want to be able to have freedom to have time off with my kids or to be homesick with them and not get punished because I've taken time off. Mm -hmm. And that was a hard thing for us to explore of me going, but this, this doesn't necessarily work with me. And so then I got him on board with allowing me, not allowing, that's a wrong way to put it, but getting (laughs) him on board to like buy into my idea of what I wanted my career to look like. And then realizing like there was at one point, he's like, well, can we just pull back? Can you not invest so much in your business right now? Can we wait until the kids are older? Like, why do we have to do it all right now then? And a part of me is like, because if I don't do it, like a part of my identity is lost. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of us women feel is that we want to be moms. We want to be able to be there for our children, but we also want to be able to have a container where we can develop who we are as like, as me, as Kate and a guy and you as Ellen, right? Like how can we create an identity that's not mommy or other expectations or little pillars that we put into? So, Mm. and we have a great vernacular in Australia, um, which is based on a book by Annabelle Crabb, who's a real, really preeminent journalist here in Australia. And it's called The Wife Drought. Mm. And I just love that because (laughs) we, (laughs) and I think it's called, I think there's got the byline, why it's going to come to me why women need wives and men need lives Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and yeah we absolutely have seen this massive shift in the way that women engage with work 
and we haven't seen such a massive shift at the way that men engage in home. Um, and I was talking to you just before. I am I am in the process of, of writing a book about working parents. It's, um, yes. it's a speculative project. But, but because of that, I have been interviewing lots and lots of dads and I've been specifically looking for dads who, it's, I don't even have the right words for it, but I've been kind of referring to them as involved dads, you know, dads who parent in, in a quite contemporary way or in the way that they want to and make some adjustments and even sacrifices at work in order to do that. Yeah, and it's been really, really cool talking to them. Mm-hmm. I think that being that type of dad right now is probably what it was like to be a working mum in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not, it's kind of not like crazy. Yeah. But it's definitely not the well-trodden path. Yeah. And that's really interesting. One of the themes that's coming out from the dads that I've been talking to, the difference between dads who who want and have a desire to engage with work and parenting in a different way compared to the dads who actually like take the bold step and do it is um, those dads don't care what other people think. Yeah. And that's so so similar. Like I think that's a really big answer as well to the conundrum that you're talking about too. You know, how much of what we think is the right way to parent actually belongs to other people compared to us. Yeah, is is really, really, really interesting. And I'm going to pick you up on some language because you were talking about that your way of working was the right thing for you, but I actually think it sounds like it was the right thing for your family. Mm-hmm. And so there's a so bit of true. contradiction there too, which is like, are you going to go and get a traditional job because our income will be good? And then like, no shade to your lovely husband, <laughs> but then also the bus all the time. <laughs> yeah. But then also, um, can you stop working so hard? So those kind of things show yeah. us that actually the benefit that you make in the way that you parent and the way that you've set up your work life is a benefit for the family. It's not just a benefit for you. And I think that's I think that's really important just because there's so much narrative and um, judgment around women for being selfish for, for literally any decision. Like it mm. <laughs> doesn't matter which decision you make. <laughs> it's easy to be labelled as selfish. But if we can start thinking about, no, I'm actually – because we all are, I, we all are scanning for what's the right decision for this kind of collective emotional well-being, physical well-being, financial well-being for the family. Um, and if we can talk about it like that, I think that's really useful. Well, and I think you just touched on a really good thing is that it was what was beneficial for the family. And if we want to reframe that, women working within their cycle is beneficial for the company or is beneficial yeah. for the workplace. We just got to figure out how to do this and how to sell people on it. So I think this is like a great little like meander conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's time. Let's get to the getting, <laughs> getting into the good stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's really interesting because I was reading an article, it was probably a year and a half ago when I was re- researching a lot about work life and the cyclical work life, because I have a whole module in one of my courses on how to start to integrate your cycle into your work life. And this article was so beautiful in what it wrote about the fact that it may feel uncomfortable. Like I'm the, when you say like, we need a period positivity policy in our, yeah, period positivity policy in our company that, you know, there's going to be those men or those people that are very old school that are going to be like, this is crap. Like what do I get a special day off? But you got to remember that was probably the same response 
that society had the first time a maternity leave was introduced into the workplace, right? And now it's pretty mainstream in most countries that this is just the way because it is in the best interest. And there is health benefits for a woman not to go back to work a week after she just gave birth, right? And so the same kind of idea. So like, if this is like, how this is impossible, just remember at one time, maternity leaves were impossible as well. And now look where we're at. So I really believe that the work and what we're talking about today is us challenging the status quo and saying, there's got to be a way it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning, but it's not impossible. And pretty soon it's going to be normal. And it's going to be normal for my daughters. Mm. It's going to become a normal thing eventually, hopefully. It's really cool. And over here in Australia, the um, discussion around menopause at work has increased significantly. Are you guys seeing that as well in mm-hmm. Canada? Yeah. And it's interesting. It's actually interesting that discussion about menopause then that opens the discussion about cycles in general, because it's like those are things that we experience through all points of um, our lives. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about how yeah. to make it work at work. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any wisdom? Do you want to well, kickstart this conversation? I'm sure that your listeners will be really across this, but, um, you know, pe- people tuning in, um, my listeners, <laughs> um, do you want to just give us a really quick summary? Look, I'm being so bossy on yeah. your podcast. No, um, boss of, away. Yeah. Of, of the four cycles and the yes. kind of, and the kind of activities that really suit each cycle. Cause I think that'd be really helpful grounding yeah. and you're the expert on this. Yeah. I love this. This is like everything that I I live for right now. So our four phases of our cycle, there's two ways to look at it. You can look at it clinically, which is like your follicular, your ovulation, your luteal, your menstruation, which I'll get into a bit more. Or what I like to always teach is starting to identify it as like these seasonal transitions. So our inner spring, our inner summer, our inner fall, our inner winter. The beautiful thing about women's bodies is that we are cycles within cycles. So what we are experiencing and how we're feeling in our body in those four different clinical phases of our cycle that I mentioned is really like, if you really think about it, you can relate to it in the same way as looking at the moon cycle, as looking at the earth cycle, as looking at our life cycle, those same sensations that you feel, we kind of feel as women throughout a monthly cycle, we just get little tidbits of it. So we are not meant to be one person. We are meant to be four different women with four different variations, with four different sets of needs, with four different desires. And that's what we're really seeing in the work workspace. So our four faces, the inner, we'll start with the inner spring. So the inner spring, much like our, um, our follicular phase is this time of emerging like you're coming out of those bleed days where you were exhausted you weren't feeling good you know you're just like feeling very low in life and all of a sudden you get like this little bit of estrogen in the system and there's this rising hormonal what do I want to call it like sensory in the body that's saying hey wake up we're ready to get started again and so like this is a really good time for us to think like we usually have a lot of energy here. So this is when our brain actually starts to get primed with estrogen for language, for communication skills. So this is where we start to come out and we're like, I've got this great idea and I'm going to put it into practice. Now I'm going to, I'm going to sell this. Right. And so our emergence phase or this part of our follicular phase is really about us coming into a new project. Think of it as like, I'm coming in with all these ideas. I've got the excitement behind me. I've got the language skills. I have the energy. So technically I could probably work a little bit later and we actually have a desire. 
I have to be really careful in my follicular phase that I don't start working after supper again. Cause I have that tendency of turning on my laptop and go, I'm just going to send this one email. And before I know it, it's midnight because I just get sucked into the vortex. Like I've just got so much of me to give here. And so then that's our follicular phase or our inner spring. Then we move into our inner summer, also known as our ovulation time. And ovulation is all about visibility. Think about it. Ovulation is that time where we want to be seen. We want to attract people. We want to be known. This is why we can create life here. This is why we want to interact and engage and find partnerships. But we also do that in our social life. Like this is where we really want people to like us and to be seen. We're more, we're not just like have better communication skills, but we actually want to communicate to create relationship. So this is the time where not only can we sell ourselves, but we can also like get people on board with our ideas. I always say this is the perfect time in our cycle to ask for raises because like we can sell like this is why I'm an amazing employee. and This is why you need to love me. And this is what's going to happen. Right. And we're really we're really good listeners here too. So this is like your public speaking phase. Like This is really about like I am visible. I'm here to be seen by the world. And then we move into our luteal phase, also known as our inner fall, which is what a lot of us refer to as our PMS phase, right? I often say a lot of PMS is because we are not honoring that shift from being very outward with our energy, like we were in the first half of our cycle and tuning into now being more inward. So our luteal phase is this down-regulation of estrogen. So that stuff that was priming the brain for critical thinking and language it's like, we're out of here. We're done with our, our part. Now progesterone's here and progesterone's going to take over. Progesterone's not a enhancer of critical thinking. Progesterone instead makes us want to be more creative. It actually activates the right hemisphere of our brain. So it makes us want to create. It makes us want to refine. This is a good time in our cycle to sit down and look at what we started in our in our follicular phase and that we carry throughout in our ovulation and go, okay, now was that perfect? Probably not. There's probably things that were not great. So let's, let's get rid of some of those elements or let's refine them. Let's think about how we're going to fix this and make it even better. So this is where we really sit and we like, like to fine tune things. And if you're someone like me, I can't fine tune things when I have a lot of noise around me, whether that be kids, whether that be coworkers, whether that be being pulled into a hundred different meetings. Like I need very isolated focused time by myself. Right. And that's where I get my productivity done. And then we move into our inner winter or our menstruation. And I think most of us know menstruation is this time where we feel like crap and we feel like crap because our body is literally doing whatever it needs to, to signal to us, you need to slow the hell down. Like you need to pause. And so I get that that doesn't necessarily work in the workforce, but menstruation is a really good time for us to start playing around with this idea of like, how can I just be 10 or 20% less of myself to everybody else? Like, what can I do to really conserve my energy and take care of myself? I'm totally an advocate for just calling in sick those days. <laughs> I feel like if you feel like crap and you're pulling yourself into work, you wouldn't do that if you were vomiting because you had the flu, right? And no male would expect that. And a lot of women sometimes have really big menstruation disruptions that feel like the flu. And so why are we saying it's okay for us just to push through because it's just our period and going to work? 
our productivity sucks during this phase. So instead, this is a really good time in our cycle to close the door and to do those things that take zero brain power, because now we like all of our hormones are at the lowest, which means it's signaling to the body to extract, to eliminate. And so to try to do a presentation or to really structure a, a crafty email or to do these more complicated tasks, we don't actually have the brain bandwidth to do that, to entertain that thought, right? Like we really have low energy and the more that we can honor that and do things to support that, I personally believe is what creates more rhythm and more ease in our menstruation, but it also helps us to come into the next cycle where we go back into that follicular, back into that inner spring and we come out even stronger. So that's kind of like a quick little summary of the the four Mm -hmm. phases. Yeah, that's so helpful. And I I um always keep in my mind the words um that Kate Northrop uses. So she talks about plan and initiate. Yeah. Um, connect and be visible. Yep. I feel like this is a little quiz for me. Complete and focus. <laughs> and then rest and restore. And those are really nice words because just talking about that kind of navigating you know, the taboo versus do you want to be a champion of change? I think each of us just really get to choose where we want to sit <laughs> mm-hmm. um, on that spectrum. You know, if you work in a in a really male-dominated industry, you're probably having a hard enough time. Um, well, you can let the rest of us kind of take up the mantle. So those words are really nice because those are really nice words to put in your diary Mm-hmm. that are actually like give you little prompts but they're not kind of quite um as clinical as some of the more like cycle menstruation words so that can be really um useful then the next thing I think that's really useful for work is going through your kind of the, the work that you do the kind of t- typical tasks that you do and actually putting them into those different phases so what's the work that's best done in plan and in initiate what's the work that's best done in connect and be visible and what's the work that's best done um, in complete and focus and then what's the kind of things that are boring we put off forever that are really good to do in that rest phase like that feels like you're filing emails kind of thing for or- me yeah. That's when I do all of my like receipts. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm so bad at bookkeeping and I have a bookkeeper and I love her and she just knows that she's not getting anything from me until I'm in that like lethargic state where I'm like, I yeah. can just click a picture of this receipt and I can upload it. Like that's, that's all my brain needs to know how to do. Yeah. That's and even right. then I still mess it up sometimes. And she's just like, I get it. I get it. I understand where you're at. So. But it is really useful to know that there is, there are things that are useful to be done in that time that it is a waste of your good quality energy to do in other times. And then the next thing, you know, I think work, if we can, um, if we can broadly divide your work into responsive, so that's kind of like uncontrollable, um, contextual external factors will be at play. Um, there might even be things in there that are really set like board meetings or, conferences you know those kind of really like the dates are set and discretionary that can be really useful too because you might be listening to this thinking you know like I work in investment banking or I work as um you know I'm someone's um executive assistant like I just 
<laughs> I don't, I don't have control over any of this stuff. You know, this is just doesn't, isn't going to fit in with my workplace. But if we can start to see the things that we can actually um, bend and shift in ways that best suit our cycles versus things that kind of we have less control over, that can be really useful too. Because even if you can be pulling 10%, 20%, 30% of your work in ways that are really aligned to your cycle, you'll still be um, protecting your energy. And then as we get more practiced at it, we can start actually seeing um, how, you know, how much we can kind of push the boundaries, you know, and how proactive we can be about, you know, asking for particular dates for things or asking if things can be moved or shifted. So we've got that. We've got the putting those words in your diary. We've got breaking your work into responsive and discretionary and seeing what you can plot through. Um, and then the next thing is, that is, is there any of your work that's rhythm or routine-based? Okay. Like lots of us will produce monthly reports or quarterly things. Um, and if you can shift those rhythmic things to be well aligned with your cycle, that's a really great tip as well. And some of us will have more autonomy um, over that than others. Yeah. And there's definitely things in your schedule that are predictable, that, you know, are just every job has job duties that are going to fall into that predictability pillar. And then there's always those things that are unexpected, like you had just mentioned as well. But I think some of the beauty of this as well is well, one is knowing that when it is unexpected, that we have the ability to reflect about, is this my optimal time? And if not, can I set boundaries around it? Can I, can I ask and know why I'm asking, right? And I think this is really important because sometimes when we're asked to do things and it's, it's falling out of those categories or it's falling into one of the, the categories where we're not optimal, we... A, know why we don't feel great about it. But then if we have to do it, if there's no option that we have to do it, we can give ourselves so much forgiveness and compassion that we flubbered through it and that's fine. Like a perfect example of this is, you know, some of my speaking opportunities are going on podcasts. I try to plan it as best as I can. And sometimes my period comes early or sometimes I just cannot control. Like I, it's just out of my control. It's on this day and I've got to make it work. But there is something within myself that I can like call in and take ownership of, of like, well, I'm bleeding. I don't know if I'm going to be the best, best speaker, but I'm going to go out there because I know that I know this stuff. Right. And if I stumble on my words, oh, well, if I can't think of that word, I will just try to find a way to make a joke out of it and move on. But I'm not going to go afterwards and go, well, I crapped the bit on that one. And, you know, that was the worst experience ever. I'm sure no one was entertained. I'm sure like I'm a horrible human being. Like we can really give ourselves so much more self-compassion when we know it. Now I'm so comfortable with my cycle now that I often just own it. <laughs> I'm just like, so this was out of my schedule and I'm bleeding. So this is the version you're going to get of me today. And I'm really sorry. And I just make a joke of it as I move through it. And it really does lighten the experience. And I think that it gives me so much space to just be able to feel okay about being where I'm at. I think the other thing that I've just um, noticed and been reflecting on is as you kind of start to shift the way that you work, I've just had a few experiences of trying to push myself to do something really detailed in that plan and initiate phase 
And having that kind of experience of being like annoyed at myself and why is it taking so long and why is it still on the to-do list and then actually hitting the complete and focused stage and being like, oh, I did that in 30 minutes. So if nothing else, just kind of paying a little bit of attention to um, how you're feeling is really mm-hmm. useful. So my when I'm ready to sort out the Lego, I'm like, oh, Luteal's here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just gotten a lot better, particularly when we kind of overlay the parenting and mum perspective. I've gotten a lot better kind of in the first few um, weeks of my cycle, just kind of going, yeah, the toys are everywhere. Like it's fine. Like I will get that boost <laughs> yeah. of energy. I'll get my organising energy soon. Um, and I think that just kind of not pushing into, it, it, yeah, I think it's always a good little thing to notice that if if something's just keeps not making it to the top of a pile and you feel frustrated about it maybe just think about what the right time is to do it because so many of those things are that you know the dead like how how real is the deadline is the other thing yes um and what have you you know is it really helpful that kind of I didn't get to it today I didn't get to it today I didn't get to it today um and I, I just found that to be really game changing to actually be like, I'm going to, I'm just going to leave that for a week because the right week is going to be next week. Well, and I find for myself too, when, when I look, cause I am a super organized, I like charts. I like Excel spreadsheets. So like, I'll have like my monthly to do's of like everything that I want to do, everything that I feel like I have to accomplish. And some of it is repetitive stuff. Like you said, like sending out my weekly email or social media or whatever the case might be. And that list can get quite long. And if you're just looking at that of like, okay, well, I'm just going to go in today and I'm going to tackle it. It's really, I think that we spend a lot of time are without even being cognitive of it. I think our hormonal body is just like, this is not very structured. Like I, I don't know where I'm at here. And I feel like when, what I do is then I take that list and then I break it out into those four pillars of like, these are the things, the best time. Do I always do them in those ones? Probably not. A lot of times I'm like, well, that list was a little too long for my follicular phase, but you know what? I got some of it done. And then I try to like, tackle some of the other ones in the other phases, but at least then I know what's going to excite me, what, what I'm actually going to really enjoy doing when I love filing in my luteal phase. Like I, that is like my dream is just to sit there and organize paper. Like it's just so entertaining for me, but to have the energy to like book guests to be on the podcast and to reach out to people and say, Hey, like, do you want to go for coffee and create those collaborations? I love doing that booking part in my follicular phase. Like that is where I'm just, I'm more outgoing. I I feel like I can plan and book into my ovulation and get things going. We are talking on this podcast today on day one of my ovulation. It's fantastic. I was so excited. <laughs> it's perfect timing. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like it gives me, it gives me a sense of structure. And I like having that structure about being no, like knowing all of these things and then when to really do them. And here's the thing is like, we could map it out of like, these are your four phases and these are the times to do these tasks, which, you know, logically might make sense, but it doesn't mean that it works for everybody to do those things. For instance, like, 
I, I know that when I was doing a lot of my research and I know Kate often says like she likes to record her video content in her fall because she feels a little bit more spicier. Like she just doesn't care what people say or people, what she says and how it's going to affect people. She just says what she wants to say, right. With, with no real big filter sometimes so that she can be authentically herself. For me recording in my fall, I stumble over my words. I have slower thinking processes. It just doesn't work for me. Right. But this is the beauty is that I know why it doesn't work for me. And it's because that energy and my personality, I'm more of an introvert. I need to call really on that follicular part of my face, the first half of my cycle to pull out that extrovertedness of me, which does not exist at all in the second half of my cycle. You just reminded me of something really useful that I thought I would share, which is when you first start doing this work, um, and so it was really great doing um, Kate's course and kind of seeing everyone follow this pattern. So you get introduced to this work and you kind of get how it works within the month um, and maybe you menstruate or maybe you don't. And then you kind of go, oh, and then the moon cycle. And then you go, oh, and then the seasons. And just there's this real tendency to massively overthink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes there'd be this question about like, it's winter, but I need to do something like you know what what do I do and so I do think there's that nice thing of of um you know moving out of the mind and into the body on those these things Mm -hmm. and that's such a good example um that you just shared about two different people actually finding the different phases useful for different things and that kind of question about what am I excited in or what am I attracted to doing right now? Like that's, that's just as kind of good as, mm-hmm. um, as any other kind of philosophy or mode to kind of deciding what the best thing is for you to do next. Let's be real. Juggling all the to-dos and the expectations in the modern world can be downright overwhelming for any woman. High demand jobs, managing a home, tending to our children and trying to nurture our relationships while still tending to our own needs can feel like a tall mountain to climb. But what if there were hacks, simpler ways to manage your life while still deeply tending to who you are? Drum roll, please. Introducing the menstrual cycle. Your menstrual cycle and your womb wisdom hold valuable information on how to align your life so that you can reduce your stress kicking burnout to the curb, and giving you the tool to organize your life according to the energy of your hormones. January 28th, I will be hosting a very special masterclass called Burnout to Balance, where I will teach you how to tap into the wisdom and transform your life. It is time to say bye-bye to the modern burnt-out woman and hello to the modern wise one. To register for this free event, click on the link in the show notes below. I had, um, I've got a really great friend who's really into science <laughs> and it, during the pandemic, we used to walk every week and I was telling her about my kind of cyclical living and she just, you know, she was pretty skeptical. And then about six months later, she said, I've started doing that for exercise and it's really changed my life. And I do think exercise is a nice little entry in um to getting used to kind of your um your cycle and what it means and how your energy is because it's such a physical practice Mm -hmm. a lot of us do really kind of um 
take that really masculine approach of like on Monday I go here, on Wednesday I go there, which, you know, it which makes sense because, you know, all of our systems and our weeks and our kids' school things and they are all built on this kind of days of the week um, approach. But I think exercise is a really nice entryway because maybe I still do go to yoga on Monday, but I know that I show up in a slower way. I show up in a different way. I don't take, you know, the kind of hardest version of that pose. Um, so I think that can be a really, if, if work feels kind of too constrained, too overwhelming, that can be a nice way to start introducing the thinking, introducing the knowledge, and then you can start kind of moving into how you can apply it into the workday as well. Mm-hmm. And like what you're saying, like you're, you're doing a yoga pose and it's like, well, this is too much. And so you just back off because you know that maybe for you, that's in your second half of your cycle, most likely that it just feels like it's too much. Right. And the same goes with our work schedule. Like we may not be able to schedule things perfectly, but when something feels too much, we have this allowance or this forgiveness of being going, oh, but that's because I'm here. So you know what, this is going to take me a little bit longer. Or, you know, for myself, one of the things I notice is sometimes the scatteredness I feel in my follicular phase in my inner spring. Um, because there's just so like, there's that rising energy that's coming and that little bit of excitement that all of a sudden I have like all these ideas and all these things that I want to do. And I can't stay focused very long on one thing. Like I'm always hopping, which, you know, it's great. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, I can't wait for my fall to come so I can just sit down and focus and complete something (laughs) because now I've started all these little projects. And so it's really, what I love about this is not even so much, well, I do love the organizing, let's be real, but I also like that it gives me something as a tool to feel in and connect with my body. I feel this way and be curious of going, well, why do I feel this way? Is it because of my cycle or is it because I had a sick child that kept me up all night and it has nothing to do with my cycle and it has been everything my house. to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> everything to do with sleep deprivation, right? Like, and so- yes. It's, it's really a beautiful tool for us just to get curious about how we're feeling versus living in this paradigm where it's like, but these are the expectations and you rinse and repeat no matter what, right? Which mm-hmm. keeps us so disconnected from our body. And I, I just love that this is a tool for me to connect deeper with me. It also keeps us really unproductive. So when we try to... Um, and look, I think this is, I see this across both um, genders. When we try to just kind of go at 110% all the time, it's just physically impossible. Mm-hmm. And when I do see people who are really in burnout, who are really working in, um, I'm going to call them, I'm going to call it a stagnant way, even though it's like kind of high energy, but just like the same day on, day on, like the quality of work get significantly worse. We all know this in ourselves. It takes us three hours to do the things that it would take us 30 minutes if we were well rested. Um, And I think that's really useful to put in the mix, particularly I find just like those first two days um, of menstruation, like if you can really protect and guard them and is there really anything that can't wait to 48 hours? And if there is, you know, if there is the board meeting, what can you do to make that the one hour, two hours, three hours of energy? And what else can you like push out and 
and move away to kind of make that protection. And the other thing I've been developing, and I'd love to hear if your listeners have other tips to share, is what are some tools I can use to kind of supplement? So, for example, when I'm in my um, luteal phase, so that complete and focused phase, but I need to kind of, it would really help me to come up with some ideas. And sometimes that happens. So I'll be like, I'm ready to write all of my social media posts, but I didn't actually harvest <laughs> the plan and initiate. So now I've got no ideas. Like I use AI a lot for that. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that if it was in the plan and initiate phase, I would have 24 ideas, but just this week I don't. So there's a tech tool that can help me do that. You know, mm-hmm. if you're kind of, if you're in plan and initiate and all the ideas are kind of landing, but the actual like writing of the paper is really hard for you, or maybe like that's not a great time for proofreading, like can someone else help you with that? Can you ask someone else to run their eyes over it? Like how can you use different resources and sometimes it's technology and sometimes it's other people that you work with to kind to balance out? instead of actually just trying to push into that zone um, yourself. You want to know my little trick for that first half of the cycle when there's all those ideas and like you've got tons of them because I'm also like that, that I can't sit down and write them. And they always come to me at the like the worst times. Like I'm driving and like <laughs> 15 ideas come. I have so, so many voice memos on my phone. Yep, so great. I literally put on the voice memo and I just talk to myself. <laughs> Yeah, great. In the grocery store or whatever. I'm like, okay, these are all the ideas that I have. And then I just have to go back to them in my fault. So once again, yeah. it's a tech technology to help me get through it. But I, you open the door to a conversation. I've been kind of itching to bring this into our conversation. So I'm glad that the opportunity is here now because you were talking about menstruation and how can, is it really important for that 48 hours? And if you're in the board meeting, right? I think this is a great opportunity to also start to reflect on how as cyclical women, knowing this, we can now become more supportive to other women in our Mm. workforce. There is something so beautiful that when we tap into understanding our own cycle and our own body, that we create the space and the environment for other women to do the same. So we walk past a coworker's office and she's a little bit more edgier than normal, or, you know, she just snapped at somebody or she is feeling very overwhelmed without even saying, are you bleeding? (laughs) You could probably just be like, I bet you she's coming onto her menstruation or there. So what can I do to relieve her? So that might be my cue without even words of just going in there going, Hey, you know what? I've got some extra time. Can I, can I take something off your, your workload? Like, can I take this back? Or maybe I just don't bug her. Right. (laughs) Like, or I say, you know, it's totally okay to close your door and everyone's going to survive. Like you can, you can do this. And then maybe at lunchtime, I bring her a little brownie or something. I'm just like, here's some little love for you. Right. And like, I think when we, as women know this about our cycle and we know how to start implementing it into our life, we create this environment that softens the landing for every other woman that we work for. And then that is what creates the culture that creates that positive period environment where we can exist differently than the structure that we're working in, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are principles we want to put in place always, which is how can we support each other at work? Um, Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you know, that's why... (laughs) 
I do think if we're not kind of quite ready to have direct conversations, I don't really mind this kind of like talking in code <laughs> to start with because at least yeah. we st- we've started somewhere. Um, and that's why I do. And, you know, I work for myself. I share my diary with an assistant who I work with heaps who I really love. And even I felt a bit exposed about having those things in my calendar, which is why I do love kind of using the na- the phase names, you know, mm-hmm. what's the prompt. So I think there's a nice way for us to think about like, how, yeah, what what would it take for us to have this conversation in a way that we felt comfortable with so that we can kind of, as you said, with the maternity leave, like we can keep normalised, we can keep moving forward. Um, yes. Into just, yeah, being real about what is a very real experience of um, all, all people who menstruate have. Yes. And I think we create by doing that, by living in alignment with our energy and our hormones and getting playful with trying to curate a work environment that supports our needs and our body and our energy is that it also creates that space for the men in our life. Like I know Mm. this is a focus on women right now and on our cycle, but let's be honest. The workplace is also very pressuring for men men of like, it's not okay to take a sick day for your kids. It's not okay to not perform at this level all the time. And I think when we give forgiveness for other coworkers, female, that, you know, we can work as a team, we can collaborate. It also gives that energy or that, that message out to the workplace that it's like, it's okay for you to have a bad day too, right? Like, that's cool. We will work around this. We will, we'll find a way to support each other. Um, it's not on the same as a cyclical level, but I think it does give that message that men can also have their off days as well. And that it's not just this culture that we're constantly sponsoring of push harder, do more performance is everything. Yeah. And I think it's nice to think about, you know, if I think about my performance over a 12 month period, as opposed to over a day to day proposition, I think that's really useful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. My husband does a lot of uh, litigation because he works in law. He's a lawyer. And sometimes he'll have done a massive trial and he'll be so exhausted and he'll come home and he'll say, oh, I didn't get much done today. It's like, of course you didn't. You haven't taken a break. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the brain just kind of overrides you. And they're like, I see that you haven't taken a break. I'm going to just make sure that you can procrastinate as much as possible. Because, like, I'm not really here to keep showing up like this, particularly once the adrenaline's gone down. So, yeah, it's it's definitely something that, yeah, we're seeing for everyone in the kind of way that we've really set up our workplaces. Yes, for sure. So I'm curious, do you have any, how do I want to phrase this? Do you have any like brilliant ideas (laughs) that have not been put into practice yet (laughs) of how we're going to create this cyclical workplace that is so supportive for women? um, And that's going to change the way we're doing things. Any any wish list ideas or any ideas out there that you're like, someday this is going to happen? I think that when we kind of start this, my broad thinking is that we are much better to set up workplaces that, that support the fact that no human being can be productive 24-7, like we are not machines. 
I've just found in my experience in working with HR, when we start kind of getting specific about um, what one section of the population needs, we it's so easy to kind of create division instead of collapse cohesiveness. So I'm, yeah, I'm really interested about workplaces that are really, really good. This is so boring. I'm so sorry. But it actually, I think the crux of the problem is, do we have enough resources for the things that we actually need to do? Because I think we're really building workplaces um, where people are doing the work of one of one and a half people, and the more that we keep doing that, the more we'll keep building workplaces that work like that. And so, it's that interesting in, um, intersection between individual reaction and response, and kind of collective movement and changes. But I think if we think about what we can do as individuals. I think, yeah, putting boundaries around our workload and not continuing to kind of get sucked into this idea that we need to do the work for one and a half or two people is actually really powerful. Like if if we all did that, mm-hmm. um, then we'd probably see a change. I know that puts a lot of pressure on, I, I understand there's heaps of power dynamics and financial dynamics and all kinds of things that make that really, really difficult. But we are so um, wide. I think we want to belong. We want to do well. Um, yeah, and I think not kind of running into the ground is one of the most powerful things we can do. And for me, I think like my number one idea that comes to mind of how we can start to create some resolution around this issue is really starting to to honor that flexibility Mm. has power right I think the workplace for so long has been structured with the patriarchal system where it really is about control where it really is about if we give any room for flexibility everyone's going to go wild and do their own thing, which is so far from the truth. And I think when we start to break away from this idea of rigid rules and structures, we create opportunity for way more production, way better quality of work Mm -hmm. and way more health and sustainability for your staff. And so like what I think of most often is the nine to five, right? Like this idea that we have to put in eight hours. And it's so funny. This was brought to my attention not too long ago about the fact that it's like, well, people have to work eight hours and it's people forget that that eight hours was actually to protect the employee, that the employer didn't overwork them. It was never about that the employee owes this to the employer, but somewhere that's kind of got swapped in our mentality of that they have to put in this many hours, which isn't real. (laughs) And so if we create more flexibility, and I think COVID was so beautiful for this, that Mm -hmm. it forced employers and enforced these systems and structures to have to trust the unknown. (laughs) They had to trust that people were going to work from their homes. They were going to have to trust that people could put on a fancy top and keep their pajama pants on and it'll all be okay. And the 
the zoom world was not going to explode. Right. And, you know, one of my mentors, she always said that when she became a new mom and she was building her business, but still needed to have a job to supplement income, she went in there and said, can I like, these are my tasks. This is what you want me to do in a day. If I get this done in five hours and it's good and I'm meeting the measures and everything, do I really have to put in that extra three hours of dead time? And they're like, if you can get it done, you can leave whenever. And so that's what she did. She worked for someone that was a forward thinker of thinking like, as long as it gets done, I don't care how many hours you're here. I'm paying for this, this productivity, right? And so she would close her door. She wouldn't go on her phone. She wouldn't take her breaks and she would get it done. And it created such a better work environment for her because it met her. That's not going to work for everyone. But this is mm-hmm. the beauty is that when we start to trust the people that we employ, versus saying it's only going to be right if it fits this way, then we really close people off. And I think this is where, you know, just that little bit of flexibility, like if you're bleeding, can you work from home those days? Right? Absolutely. Do you have if to you go want, office? Yeah. And if anyone's interested to kind of know more about that in a structural way, there's a great book called The Result Only Work Environment. I can't remember the author's name. One of them is called Jody. <laughs> but two women have written this great book and it's quite old actually. It's been around for a while. And it's about, yeah, measuring outputs, not inputs. So yeah. they they set up a whole like big, like medium-sized business too, not kind of like 10 people, like hundreds of people working in this way, this results only um work environment way. So if I've uh, got any CEOs listening or <laughs> any executives. Yeah, have have a look um, at that very kind of well-researched, well-structured way that you can actually flip the script on input versus output in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people, like, don't get me wrong, some people are paid an hourly wage, but a lot of people are paid salary. And so mm-hmm. this idea of having to work, like, I don't know, I just feel like flexibility is going to be the key that's going to help everybody because it is, when we have, not only creating space for a woman to work cyclically, but when she starts to honor her rhythm, we start to see some of those health concerns go down. We like we see those big menstrual flare-ups or some of these bigger conditions that might take us out, infertility, like all these doctor's appointments. Like when we really start to nurture this idea of wellness and working within our energy and our and in our um, hormonal needs, then we do create a system where, you know, someone's wellness can be really well cared for. And then we are going to have better productivity versus forcing someone to work when they feel like crap. Right. So I don't know. This is my idea, my dream. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me today. Oh my God. This was such a good conversation. So for anybody listening, I hope this was a lot of takeaways for you. It was so great to have you on here. And if anyone is interested, you'll find all of Ellen's uh, contact details down below, but she's also starting a podcast of her own. So it's not released yet. So you're going to want to follow her. So that way, you know, when it actually launches out (laughs) into the big wide world web um, and start listening to that. I can't wait to hear your words of wisdom on your podcast. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I'm starting a podcast with my sister, um, my sister. I will tell you a little bit about it because I reckon your listeners will really like it. My sister's a human design coach and I'm an executive coach. So we are bringing those two things together, the cosmic and the corporate 
and talking about how we can kind of interact those two sides of the coin. Yeah. So it's a podcast for the cosmically confused and the corporately challenged. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And we'll be, yeah, we'll be um, having a chat about, uh, you know, what's showing up for us, uh, how we're learning from each other and then also answering some listener questions. So we're really looking forward to it. I'm so excited to to listen to it. That's great. So all of that information is going to be in the show notes below. And once again, thank you so much for coming back and come back again. I always love these conversations. Come back again. Are you excited about aligning to your cycle? If so, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and like the episode if it really resonated with you. Until next time, remember womb wisdom equals connection to self which ultimately equals inspired living.